Early in his papacy, Pope Francis became pretty famous for these words. He said, who am I to judge? So this was in reference to a question he'd been asked about a man who was a priest, I believe, who'd been, had some struggles with homosexuality, but was later living a celibate life. And so he was asked about this, and his response was, Pope Francis' response was, if a person is gay and seeks out the Lord and is willing, who am I to judge that person? So he was later asked about this, about what he meant by this exactly. And he said that he was paraphrasing the catechism of the Catholic Church. He says that he was saying uh, that those who have these struggles should be treated with delicacy and not to be marginalized, meaning not to be pushed off to the side, but treated with, with compassion, with care, carefully, uh, so as not to shove them to the side. Now, there are some in the church that have great difficulties with how Pope Francis is leading when it comes to this. They would say, well, he's not being, you know, forceful enough. You know, this, this way of, of pastoral, kind of putting the compassion thing first, is, is hiding the truth. It's kind of covering over the church's teaching when it comes to the sanctity of marriage, between being between a man and a woman, and being open to life. They're not happy about this. I see this as kind of, uh, you know, disfiguring the church's clear teaching. So today, I'd like to speak to that a little bit. So I've had different people come up to me over the past month with questions about this. How should we as Catholics respond to all, to what's being celebrated this month, to the different rainbows and different things? What should we do? How should we respond? And I would offer that Pope Francis has shown us as a church, is leading us as a, in a church, as a church, in the way forward. And I would argue that the way that he's exemplifying actually more clearly shows forth the truth of the church's teaching in a way that people can hear it, which is very important. We've got some great scriptures today for our mass readings that help to kind of lay a foundation for this. We have Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 20. He's being attacked by others for proclaiming the message that God has given him. You know, if you were in the church and you're proclaiming this message of compassion, especially towards certain groups, I can pretty much guarantee you that you're going to be attacked. We have also from Matthew chapter 10, here's our Lord, and he's saying that all is going to be made known. You should proclaim it from the mountaintops. And then he mentions one of this, the central teachings that he taught about the dignity, focusing on the dignity of the individual person. He says that every single hair of your head has been counted. He said, you're worth far more than an innumerable amount of sparrows. Focusing on this, the dignity of the human person. Now, this is a big part of Christ's life in his ministry. So these are the scriptures that we have to kind of lay the foundation for us uh, in order to proclaim the bold message that the church has uh, toward those who have difficulties, toward those who struggle. 
So what is Pope Francis doing when he does this? When he encounters people that might disagree with teachings in the church, when uh, he accompanies them, welcomes them, is not afraid to answer tough questions in a loving, in a compassionate way that invites people into relationship with Christ, into relationship with the church. What is he doing? Well, I would offer that he is using probably a pretty little-known teaching of the church called the hierarchy of doctrines. I don't know if you've heard of the hierarchy of doctrines or not, but it simply means that there are some doctrines that need to come first, and there are others that need to come second. And when you're working with evangelization and inviting people into a relationship with the Lord and with the church, you need to make sure you get these more important primary doctrines first and these other things second. So, you know, you can read about this in what's called the General Directory of Catechesis. This is the church's manual on how to do evangelization, on how to witness to your faith. So if you're going out and you're telling people, you need to be doing this, this, and this, you need to stop doing this, this, and this, and it's something that they see as a big part of their identity, you're immediately going to cut off any chance of relationship, any chance of that person hearing what you have to say. And so it's important before jumping to these more kind of advanced teachings on morality and the church's uh, understanding of especially sexual morality in our day and age, to make sure that these more important doctrines, they understand them first, about Christ, about uh, his sacrifice for us, about the church that he authoritatively established as a teacher. If folks don't get those pieces, they're not going to get some of these more difficult teachings on our morals. So we have some good examples of this in Scripture, this whole notion of a hierarchy of doctrines. Some of the more important things, they need to come first, and then you can build on those with some secondary things. So examples in Scripture of this are when God rescued the Israelites from Egypt. They were in slavery in Egypt. He could have gone to the Israelites and he could have said to them, listen, I'm going to rescue you, but before you do that, I need you to do these things. I need you to start following these commandments. And unless you do these commandments, I'm not going to rescue you. You need to stop worshiping other gods. You need to, you know, all, all these other things. You need to stop doing that stuff. Then I'll rescue you. But he didn't do that. What he did was he revealed first these more important doctrines. He revealed that he, his compassion, that he'd heard their prayers, crying out for help, that he cared for them, those those enslaved people in Egypt, Israelites, that he was the all-powerful God, sovereign, and that uh, through these more important teachings, then he rescued them from Egypt, rescued them from their slavery. And during this time, he put up with their stuff. He put up with their sins. He put up with their offenses against him. He simply loved them during this time. And then after... He'd rescued them from Egypt, freed them from their slavery. Then, and only then, did he give them the Ten Commandments. Did he give them the teachings of the law? So those things came secondary. So those primary things, God's love, his care for them, who he was, and then secondarily, what he thought, what he wanted from them, what he expected from them. 
Now, if he'd gotten those things reversed, got them backwards, it wouldn't have worked. But this is the model of evangelization that God gives to us. Called the hierarchy of doctrines. We see our Lord, Jesus, in his ministry following a similar pattern. When he came to this earth, took on human flesh for the first 30 years, he didn't do any teachings. He simply lived with the people. He was there with them. And even then, even when he began to teach, he really, truly focused on kind of these essential doctrines, first and foremost. He shared about who he was, who God the Father was. He shared about his mission, why he came, laying down his life for others. He preached about the forgiveness of sins, of following him first and foremost. These kind of primary and essential doctrines before going to these secondary things. And interestingly, you know, people... He often took on pretty heavy insults for this. If you do this, you'll take on heavy insults too. One of the biggest things that he was accused of over and over and over again was for being with the worst sinners of the day. He was accused of spending time with prostitutes and tax collectors. Again and again, here's that, there's that guy, that teacher that, that hangs out with prostitutes and tax collectors. You know, Jesus, you need, to be, you need to be preaching more against prostitution. You need to be preaching more against the stuff that these tax collectors do. That's by what people of the day were saying. Now here you are, you're, you're being with them. You're accepting them into your midst. How come I don't hear you preaching more about prostitution? More about, you know, the things tax collectors do. This is, what, this is the insults what, what, that he was taking on during his life in ministry because he was focusing more on these primary things rather than these secondary things. Surely the, the prostitutes and tax collectors, they came along, they grew in holiness. This is an expectation of discipleship. But that was secondary. Primary was who Jesus was, his care for them. So I offer this up uh, to us as the model that Pope Francis is also using in encountering the LGBTQ community with uh, engagement, with encounter, with love, with compassion. You know, so during this month, how are we as Catholics to respond to the different celebrations and things that are taking place? I would offer you know, this hierarchy of doctrines, of course, that are, are laid forth by the church. Throughout Scripture, we see this. Uh, but then using the hierarchy of doctrines to focus on that which is good, that which is holy, even amidst this movement. And how can you build on that? So St. Paul, when he was doing evangelization, he once went to this, the court of the gods. So these are Greek gods. They're all throughout this particular area of the city. And he walked around, looked at the different gods. And he could have got up there and preached to the Greeks, said, listen, you guys are a bunch of idol worshipers. You know, you, this is terrible. You need to give up your wicked ways, worshiping all these false gods. And if he did that, if he did that, I can guarantee you the conversation, any communication would have been immediately cut off. They wouldn't have been able to hear him. But what did he do instead? He looked around, he found this one God that was titled to the unknown God. 
And he said, you know what? I can use this as a bridge. I can use this as a place of agreement. I can use this to focus on these primary doctrines of the church. And so he praised them for having this unknown God. He said, listen, this, this unknown God, I'm going to tell you who he is. He says, listen, this unknown God, this shows that you so want to make sure that you're correctly worshiping uh, all the gods, that you even have this, this you know, statue to the unknown God. He's like, I want to show you, tell you who, the, who this unknown God is. He's the God, he's the creator of the universe. He's the God that's sovereign over all. Uh, he's the one true God. So he used this as a bridge to focus on these primary doctrines. And because of the way that he went about this, looking for something good to connect in, they said they wanted to hear more about what he had to say. So this is an example of this hierarchy of doctrines, focusing on first things first, and then these secondary things come later. Another example of this, maybe a more modern-day example, a father comes home and he finds that his son has cut the lawn for him. Now, the son is very excited. He's kind of young. This is the first time doing this. And he's really excited to give this gift to his dad. He sweated. He struggled. It was hard to push that mower, but he got it done. And his dad came home, and the son is anticipating how the father is going to respond. And the father walks over. He sees the lawn, and he walks over to the lawnmower. He knows this is his son's first time, and he's wondering. He's kind of scared. So he walks over to the lawnmower, and he tips the lawnmower over, and he sees that the son, the boy, has bent the blade. And he says to the boy, you know, you ruined my lawnmower. You bent my blade. How's that son going to respond? Can you just kind of see his heart crushed at that time? However, if this father had understood this whole notion of this hierarchy of doctrines about more important things coming first, then you take care of these other things second. The father would have come home and he would have said, thank you, son, for doing this. I, can, I know this wasn't easy for you. This is your first time cutting the grass, but you gave this to get to me. I am so grateful for you know, this gift that you've given to me. So he's putting this relationship, this connection, the value, what his son is trying to do, even though he might not have been doing it the best, trying to do, he's putting that first. And then, once he has that in place, he can then go to the son and be like, listen, I really appreciate you cutting the grass. I want to help you do this even better. I see maybe it looks like you maybe hit something, a stone or a log. We're going to take care of that. We're going to get a new blade. But I'm going to, we're going to work together. I really appreciate your willingness to, to do this you know, for our family. This is a great, great gift. So here he is. He has the proper order, right? So he's got the relationship first, and then secondary, we'll take care of these other things. And so when it comes to this month that um, many in the world are celebrating, Pride Month, especially here in the U.S., how do we as Catholics respond? How can we be like Paul and see that which is good that's taking place even in the midst of, the, of this? I don't agree with everything, but how can we see that which is good and praise that? So the LGBTQ community... Uh, this is a, a, a group of people who have been scorned, who have been hated, who have suffered violence. How can we, uh, during this month, uphold their dignity as human beings, 
as those who are made in the image of God, those who we can stand up for and defend and stand with in this way. This is one of the primary teachings of our faith, is upholding the dignity of the human person. And this is a big way what what much of this movement this month is for. That's a place that we can connect. That's a place where a conversation can begin. Putting that which is primary and essential first, uh, allowing that relationship to take place. And then these other things uh, we can take care of. This is what I would offer with time. But the connection has to be there first. This is what I would offer, what Pope Francis was talking about when he said that these should be treated with delicacy and not be marginalized, not simply be shoved off. So, but to do this, it's important to understand this notion of the hierarchy of doctrines, that first, some things have to come first. Until they understand uh, that God created them, that they have dignity as beings made in his image, until they understand that Christ died for them, that he cares for them, that he established a church to authoritatively proclaim his message. They're not going to, until they get those things, they're not, these other things about morality, the sacredness of marriage, openness to life, all that other stuff is not going to make sense. First things have to come first. So this is what I would offer is the way and what Pope Francis is doing and how he's leading the church, helping us to convey compassion. If you follow this model, it'll take courage. You'll be, in many ways, like Jeremiah. People will attack you. They will misunderstand you. They'll label you. But take courage. Be like our Lord. Proclaim this message from the mountaintops that each and every human being uh, is a creation of God, has dignity. Each hair has been numbered that they have incredible worth before God, to be upheld, to be defended, that God may be glorified. Amen.